Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Today is our listeners' nutrition clinic. We'll be answering two questions. The first is from Leslie, who's looking for advice on returning to training following an injury. And our second one is from Charlotte, who's asking about how to alleviate tiredness and how to focus on being leaner and faster. So we hope you enjoy the episode. And do remember, if you've got any questions that you would like us to answer, drop us an email at hello at runnershealthhub.com and we'll feature you in our next nutrition clinic. Hello and welcome to She Runs, Eats, Performs, the podcast for female runners of all abilities. Please join Karen Campbell and Aileen Smith, nutritionists, friends and runners, who are here to help you translate sports nutritional science into easy to apply tips and plans, helping you enjoy peak running performance. And especially adding in the female factors every woman needs to know to be a healthy runner. The suggestions we make during this episode are for guidance and advice only, and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Ailey to design a personalized sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Hub. everyone I'm Karen and I'm here with Aileen once again and today is an episode that's dedicated to answering questions that we've received from you our listeners now these are questions linked to your nutrition for your running your performance and your personal goals and we have these episodes every few weeks so If you do have any burning questions you would like us to answer and discuss in this space, then do get in touch with us at hello at runnershealthhub.com and just let us know what your question is. Now, like I say, we host the listeners clinic periodically. We choose questions that we've received from you, our listeners, um, usually two or three questions. And then we share our insights and some tips that will hopefully support the individual posing the question, but also just give everyone some food for thought. So um, so that is uh, the, the idea behind the Listener's Nutrition Clinic. So hi, Aileen. Um, I'm going to hand over to you now just to give us an overview of the questions that we're going to try and answer today. Hi, Karen. Hi, everybody. Um, Yeah, we've got two questions today, uh, which hopefully will be helpful to everybody. Uh, And the first question is from Leslie, and she's looking for advice on returning to training following a prolapsed disc injury. And um, we've also got a question from Charlotte, who's asking about how to alleviate tiredness and also on how to focus on being leaner. So two different questions, but quite interesting, I hope. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, let's hope that we can... um, answer and and give both ladies some 
advice and helpful suggestions on going forward. So let's consider the first one, um, which was posed by Leslie. So Karen, could you give us um, a bit of an outline? Yes, absolutely. So just to give everyone a bit of background into Leslie's question, she emailed us and explained that she's an experienced runner and earlier this year did a 21 mile trail run. So well done. That's great. And uh, quite a long distance on on trails, uh, Leslie. The bad news for Leslie was that she developed a prolapsed disc in her lower back, which sounds incredibly painful, I have to say, and couldn't run for months, which has been frustrating and has limited her training. Now, on a more positive note, Leslie is back to running again. So that's great news. Um, She's currently running distances of three to five miles. And she plans to do this until the end of the year. She's then hoping to get back to a full training plan early in 2023 so that she can train for a marathon. Now, Leslie is asking us for advice really on the best way to get back to training. And she said um, that she has had conflicting views about working hard on the core strength to support her back versus not overdoing core work as it can take the body out of balance. And Leslie says, It's all tricky to know. It's also tricky to know when to push myself to go back to where I was and not overdoing it. And I think that's really true. It is it is really tricky. And there's a fine balance around that. Um, She goes on to say, I feel very frustrated as I was doing well and now feel I have fallen so far behind. Only ran three miles this morning and it was an effort. So. In summary, Leslie is asking our views on exercises for core strength. How should she approach her marathon training, bearing in mind her current health status and fitness and rebuilding stamina to help with training? So, Aileen, where shall we start? Well, firstly, thanks for reaching out, Leslie, and and thank you for sending in your question. And I really do have empathy with uh, the situation you've been in because I had a similar disc problem this summer, maybe not as serious as yours, but it really did affect my training. Um, I also have to say, um, Karen and I will say this often, that we're not sports or physical therapists. So this is not really our area of expertise. Um, so anything that we share here about exercise or physical therapy is purely from a personal viewpoint. Um, so that's just a little bit of a disclaimer there um, for anybody who's who's listening to us. Um, so I realized when, you know, I had my problem, the thing that I noticed was I started getting some pain uh, running down my right thigh and it was quite painful enough for me to have to take some painkillers and then it developed into numbness and when the numbness came I thought oh, oh this is a bit serious I better get this checked out and that led me to start consulting with a, a chiropractor and it was my first time of ever going to a chiropractor actually. Okay, um, it would be interesting to know, Aileen, uh, what you thought of of seeing a chiropractor and what was the treatment and follow up exercise plan that um, the chiropractor gave you. Yeah, well, I was very fortunate. The person that I've been uh, consulting with is, you know, top of his game, and he deals a lot with sports people. Although I didn't actually go to him thinking that he, that was what he did, um, but you know, he had some really good reviews and. Um, 
I started with three three treatments uh, a week uh, for about a month. And then it went to weekly for a few weeks and then every two weeks. And now I'm going at three week intervals. And, you know, I think after that, it'll probably be once a month. And I think they, they encourage you to keep going monthly after that, really. Um, and I, I don't know what the technical terms are, but I guess what, you know, what was happening was my spine was being realigned and that takes the pressure off the disc. Um now, from what I've read a little bit around the problem, uh, the discs in, in the back are like small jelly donut cushions, if you can imagine them, and they sit in between the vertebrae. Now, as we age, um, the health of the disc can degenerate and it can show signs of wear and tear and the outer layer of the disc can bulge out. And that's the thing that irritates the nerves in the spine, causing pain and numbness. Um now, what I would say is that, you know, really, Leslie, I, I think you've got to put your faith in one person and take advice from your own practitioner. Um, you know, they they would have advised you what to do and, and also what to do going forward. Um, now, I was advised to keep moving and I was really grateful uh, that um, that was the case for me. Um, so I, I was told that I could keep walking, I could do gentle uh, Pilates. Um, I also used an ice pad on the base of my spine. Um, so that was good. But I sort of heavy exercise I, I didn't do for a few weeks. Um, and then from a nutritional point of view, what I did was I made sure that my food plan was based on anti-inflammatory foods. And I also added some anti-inflammatory supplements, which we can talk about uh, later on. So that was um basically what the treatment was you know I went regularly and um, you know gradually things started to get better. Mm, well, that's really good to hear Aileen and Leslie mentioned um, that she was a bit unsure what what exercise she should do around her core were you given any advice about core exercises Aileen? Yeah, I was. And I, you know, I, I asked about what I could do uh, because I do some strength based circuit training twice a week. It, you know, it's not a long session, but it's a regular thing that I do. And I was concerned because I didn't want to do anything to aggravate the injury and my recovery. So my chiropractor said that, yes, it was OK to go back to the gym, but I should avoid exercise involving back extensions because that might squeeze the disc or the spine. And he cautioned me about doing things like squats, deadlifts, kettlebells. Um, and he wasn't saying don't do them, uh, but he was saying that the technique was key and to maybe consider doing body weight exercises rather than using weights. Um, so I, what I actually did was for the sort of two or three months, I would say, after the injury, uh, my approach was just to focus on reformer and mat pilates for a few weeks. And I've just recently started going back to circuit training, probably about a month ago. Um, and I, I've just explained to my trainer what my situation is and I adapt the exercises. But I'm getting a little bit more confident about doing things. But I just keep thinking, you know, you've just got to um, take care. And if I feel that something's beyond me, I don't do it because I, I really want to look after my spine for the long term, obviously. 
Yeah, absolutely, Aileen. I think sort of from what you've said and um, Leslie's question, just to round up our views for Leslie, I think the advice would be, like you said, Aileen, to put your trust in your physical practitioner um, or whoever is your um, expert. And as you say, Leslie, it's easy to get conflicting advice. So take the lead from the expert that you're seeing because they'll know exactly what your personal health situation situation is so what your personal needs are and also just thinking about focusing on doing gentle exercises to strengthen muscles which will help to support the spine and reduce any pressure on the spinal column and help to promote that flexibility within the spine so from our personal viewpoint and Aileen's own experience that would be our our advice to Leslie. Yeah, and I think that's really good advice, Karen. Um, and, I, you know, just some of the exercises that I've been doing, which are helpful, are things like planks and bird dogs and doing very gentle cat-cow stretches. Um, so, you know, in the past, I might have been a bit more robust when I did things like that, but I'm just doing it very gentle and sort of, you know, when you do those cobra positions when you're in yoga, again, be very, very gentle um, and the other thing that you can do is think about doing things like spinal decompression. So that's where, you know, if you have got access to a gym or I suppose you could do it at the top of a, a door frame is to hold on um, to a bar above your head and stretch out. Um, and that, you know, apparently really helps that spinal decompression because you're just trying to alleviate any um, sort of compression around that area. Um, and what I found is when I go to the group sessions, everybody's very supportive and there's absolutely no pressure to compete. So I just do what's right for me. And, and if I, you know, if there's a, an exercise that's suggested that I think is, you know, particularly um, not dangerous, but, you know, it might be a bit of a risk. I'll just say to the trainer, what can I do set differently? And he'll give me a different exercise uh, and my main thing is I just look into the future and I want to have a healthy spine um, as I get older so that's my focus I just think don't you know this is really really important don't um you know play Russian roulade with it if that's a roulette roulette roulade's a, a roulette, yes. roulette is, the, yeah, is the game um mm. so um yeah that, that that would be um some suggestions for Leslie so the other thing that we we said we consider uh, in Leslie's question was how she could build up her training for a marathon uh, bearing in mind her current level of fitness and stamina which you know we've all been there Leslie we've all had to come back from a period of time where we've not been able to run so um, you're not alone I don't think are you no, I would totally agree with that. I think um, most runners and, uh, you know, us included have had an experience where they, they've had to have some time out of training due to an injury or an illness. And it can feel like you're starting from ground zero again. What I would say is that although you know, you will have to build up slowly. You will also still have some residual fitness and conditioning, which will be a great foundation to start with. So although you feel as though it's going to take a long time, it might not be quite as long as you're expecting it to be. Now, Thinking about Leslie again, we don't know what date um, her marathon is, um, but I'd suggest 
that really you look for a training plan which takes you from your current five miles that you're doing, Leslie, up to marathon distance and doing that over approximately a period of 16 weeks as a minimum and hopefully you've got that length of time um, to, to, to fit in at least 16 weeks of training. If you do have less time than that then you might need or want to get some advice from whoever is looking after your back health. What do they suggest? Is it realistic for you to be able to achieve the training if it's less than 16 weeks before you actually run the marathon. Now, we did have a series of episodes in the summer which covered training and nutrition milestones for half marathon and full marathon distance. So, if you wanted to, you could listen to those episodes just to give you some um, guidance, Leslie. And um, you do already have the experience of training for a, a 21 mile miler. So, you know, you're not an absolute beginner. You've got you've got experience there. So perhaps you could follow a similar training plan to the one that you did then and then just build on because you, you were almost there with your training regarding marathon distance. You know, most people will train up to 21 miles maybe up to 23 but that that's the average amount so you were almost there so hopefully it won't be too hard when you do get back into a, 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 a sort of a proper training plan again. Yeah and I think the, the important thing um, to consider is to aim for steady gradual progress and if one day or, or week you're tired or you notice any pain or discomfort, just pause your training for a few days and then restart. You know, so you, in Leslie sort of said she felt tired after a re relatively short run. Just, you know, listen to your body, give yourself a bit of a rest. And there might be other reasons that you feel tired. So don't worry about it. Just restart in a couple of days time. And I, I certainly have noticed that some days I'm absolutely fine. And then for no apparent reason on other days I have some aching in my lower back so I just slow down and, and try not to aggravate it uh, funnily enough I find standing is the thing that aggravates it so if I'm if I'm in the kitchen a lot and I've been on my feet cooking for a few hours that can um, cause me a problem whereas movement isn't so much of an issue um, so I think it's just all about listening to your body and responding appropriately and just know that over a few weeks, you're gradually going to get your fitness back and that, you know, it'll all be good. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I totally agree with that, Aileen. And just going back to you personally and your injury and your recovery from that, Aileen, was there anything you did specifically with your nutrition during that period to support yourself? Yeah, well, as I said earlier, my focus was an anti-inflammatory food plan. Um, which I guess I follow most of the time anyway, but I was just a little bit more um, nuanced about it. And and I also added um, additional turmeric and omega-3 supplements. So my, my aim there was to support the pain management because I didn't want to be having to take too many painkillers and also to help reduce the inflammation. Um, and one of the things that, one of the benefits that I noticed was when I was well enough to go back to, circuit training I was really I was dreading it to be honest because I was thinking oh my goodness I'm going to have stiffened up over the last few weeks but what I actually noticed was I felt really flexible 
I had no aches. I was able to do everything that I was asked to do uh, without any grimacing. And um, I really think that my anti-inflammatory food plan um, had a lot to do with that. And and so I, I'm just continuing with that uh, going forward. Um, so when you are thinking about having an anti-inflammatory food plan, it's important to focus on adding anti-inflammatory foods and eliminating or reducing pro-inflammatory foods. Um, so that's the sort of the, the concept that you need to follow. And Karen, you know, just recently we did a, a, a Facebook Live when we talked about what the pro-inflammatory foods are. So I, I just wondered if it would be a good idea if you could talk us through the main things that people should consider regarding uh, regarding pro-inflammatory pro foods and how to reduce or, or minimise them. Yeah, absolutely, Lena. I think that's a good point because we tend to focus on the anti-inflammatory foods and supplements, don't we? But it's important to know which ones are pro-inflammatory so that you can reduce or eliminate them. Now, pro-inflammatory foods include the likes of the, the cooked and processed meats, but also gluten and dairy for, for many people, especially if taken in high amounts and also high amounts of red meat. Uh, now, another common food is peanuts. And I think every runner loves peanuts and peanut butter and um and and some of the peanut butters can be quite highly processed so just to be mindful of that and how much you have another consideration is the amount of highly refined sugars and carbohydrates and processed foods that you have so i'm thinking here of the likes of the cakes the pastries the biscuits white bread so all these refined breads pastas and and rice as well so these are all just ideas of pro-inflammatory foods so trying to minimize or remove them if you can and use alternatives but certainly trying to minimize minimize them as as much as possible great thanks karen i think the other thing uh it's worth noting is how you cook your food can also uh, be pro-inflammatory um, so things like frying roasting uh, burning or barbecuing for foods at high temperatures are pro-inflammatory. So our advice is to, um, you know, be more gentle with how you cook your food and maybe use slow cooking methods at, at lower temperatures. Now, if anybody is interested in um, checking that video out, you can see it in our private Facebook group. And we do a Facebook Live every week on, on different topics. Um, so, you know, all of the, the videos are there. And uh, all you need to do is search for Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners Hub on Facebook and request to join and, and we'll be delighted to, to see you there. So another thing that I just wanted to say is we're not saying that you shouldn't have any of these foods, if even if you're in an inflammatory state, but it could be supportive if you reduce or minimize them or even perhaps remove them completely for a period of time just to give yourself a good opportunity of um, getting the inflammation status where it should be. Um, and then, as I mentioned earlier, I, I considered some supplements. So, you know, as well as looking at your food plan, um, it's really important to you know, maybe consider some of the anti-inflammatory supplements, which, you know, again, if you need advice on that, we can help you with. Now, interestingly, um, a, a good sort of um, 
food plan to follow if you want an anti-inflammatory food plan is the Mediterranean style of food plan. Um, so, you know, everybody knows probably about the Mediterranean food plan, but just as a reminder, it's making sure that you're focusing your food on eating lots of vegetables, salads, beans, legumes, and then having moderate portions of things like fruits, nuts, seeds, eggs, poultry, and oily fish and, and white fish too, and, and also seafood. Um, olive oil is a big part of the Mediterranean food plan. And then just having occasional portions of red meat if you eat, need it. Um, and also, you know, obviously following that plan, you're automatically taking out all the processed foods. So you very quickly get into a situation where you're you know, you're following an anti-inflammatory food plan absolutely and and you know thinking about the the fats that we're speaking about here alien and the anti-inflammatory fats uh, just to remind everybody it's the omega-3 fats that are important here um and important to include regularly and you'll get them in the likes of the all the different oily fish so the sardines mackerel anchovies salmon and herring now they're the richest sources of the omega three fatty acids but also you'll find them in some plant sources such as um chia seeds walnuts and flaxseed now they're the 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 plant sources with the the highest levels of um omega-3s in them but also um it's important to uh, eat lots of different vegetables and um when we say lots of different vegetables, you know, we are looking at you trying to include between seven and nine portions per day just because of the phytonutrients that they contain that are um, anti-inflammatory too and very healing. So um, so that's our advice. Now, Leslie, it sounds like you are taking a healthy, gradual approach to your recovery and we really wish you the best of luck with your training. Just continue steadily and uh, remember to adjust your training in line with how you're feeling. You know, we can't underestimate that, that it's about how you're feeling and not trying to push through any adversity, any pain, any tiredness. Listen to your body and take advice from um, from whichever practitioner therapist you're seeing. Aileen, before we move on to the second question, do you have any final advice for Leslie? Well, just thanks again, Leslie, for sharing your question. And also, um, just to remember when you when you are running longer distances, so that's for longer than ninety minutes. So when you start building that up you know maybe in January or February that's the threshold to to start introducing your pre-during um, run train fueling so you know making sure that you're eating um, something to fuel your runs uh, because when you you're doing the shorter distances you probably don't need to do that um, so it's just really a reminder that that's going to be part of your training strategy um, now, we, we did mention some um, episodes at the top of the, the episode um, today, which uh, were all about the milestone episodes that we did in the summer. So we did um, a half marathon and a marathon uh, milestone series, and you'll get lots of tips there. So we, we will put um, some of the, those episodes as links into the show notes. Uh, but if you've got any questions, um, do get in touch and uh, hopefully, you know, you'll be well on the road to recovery and looking forward 
to doing your race in 2023. Yeah, absolutely. And um, do tell us how you get on, like Aileen said, and um, and how you enjoy the marathon. It would be great to know which marathon and the date of the marathon as well. So do get in touch and and let us know so we can count down the the months, weeks and days with you. So Aileen, I'm wondering if maybe this is a good time to take um, a short advert break before we move on to um, Charlotte's question. So question two. Yeah, sure. So many of our listeners are midlife uh, female runners. Um, I would say the majority of uh, our listeners fall into that category. And often um, they tell us that the struggles they have around weight gain, poor muscle tone and low energy things that all come along with uh, following that sort of midlife transition and I'm wondering if that sounds like you Um, many of the women who um, you know join us tell us that they're unhappy about the way they look and they feel as though they're they're transitioning through midlife uh, in in an unhappy way and they just um, they sometimes feel a bit resigned to it, which is it's, it's a real shame. Um, we often hear them say, well, that's just the way it is. I'm, I'm a certain age or it's the menopause. So I just have to put up with it. Um, but we say you don't you don't have to put up with it. It doesn't have to be that way. And um, Karen and I, as women of a certain age, uh, really feel that everyone just needs to be more strategic in their approach to nutrition to exercise and lifestyle choices and that helps us flourish and continue enjoying our running and and also our everyday lives throughout midlife and and beyond so we we designed something called the healthy woman healthy runner method and that was there to help empower you to um, have great health as you transition through the menopause Um, and the magic of our method is how we deliver it So at the core of everything that we do is ensuring that um, our program is very easy for you to implement. And what we do uh, during the program is guide you through a step by step method. And it's a very simple method and it takes place over um, 90 days. So a three month period. Now, if you're curious to know more, uh, we'd really love you to join the wait list that's on our website and then you'll be first in line for special price offers, bonuses and priority booking for 2023. So the doors for the next program will be opening um, you know, early next year. And we've got some uh, training, some free training available um, at the beginning of February. So we'll, we'll share that with you soon. Um, but we'll also put a link in the show notes to the wait list so that if it's something that's on your mind and you think 2023 is my year, I'm going to nail this. I'm going to sort out all these niggly symptoms that I'm experiencing. Um, then get on the wait list and um, complete the, the quick form that gives us your email address. Leave the rest to us and we'll be in touch with you in 2023 to get you um, get you going so that everything uh, suddenly becomes in alignment. Absolutely. A great way to start 2023. So thanks for that, Aileen. Now let's move on to Charlotte's question, which was all about feeling tired and hungry um, and wanting to be uh, or know more about being um, leaner and faster for uh, in running. So just again, to give you a bit of a background on Charlotte, she is very active. She says she has a physical job. She walks her dog. She runs five times 
times a week. We're not sure of the distances that she runs, though. She's a member of a running club and she gets hungry and very tired, like I say. Now, Charlotte would like to know more about the running plate, so the athlete's plate, and wants to be leaner and faster. Now, what we do know is that Charlotte is in mid midlife as well, so just as you've been speaking about, Aileen. So thinking about uh, that little synopsis of Charlotte, Aileen, what is top of mind for you regarding her situation? Well, I'd be asking Charlotte, um, is she eating enough for all her activities? She sounds like she's a very busy person and she's got a lot going on. Um, so my questions would be, is she fueling correctly for a run training? And also, are there any underlying reasons for her tiredness that maybe aren't running related, that are more health related? Um, so shall we cover those areas first? And then we can also have a chat later about being leaner and faster. So. Um, Karen, what advice would you start with when I'm talking about eating enough? What would you be saying? Well, if I was working um, with Charlotte, then the starting point would really be to assess her BMR. So that's her basal metabolic rate. So what energy in calories um, Charlotte needs for basic bodily functions at rest. And from there, add in what she requires for the amount of activity that she undertakes. So she's got, she is, it sounds as though she's got the active job, she walks her dog and she runs five times a week so there's a lot of activity in there now when we're working with our clients we use the harris benedict formula to um, calculate uh, daily energy expenditure it's a well recognized well used formula um, and we would do this to to work out what um what basic energy um, and then total energy expenditure Charlotte would need. So you'd be use that um, in regards to someone's weight, their height, their age, their sex to find out their basal metabolic rate and then add in what is known as PAL, P-A-L, so that's physical activity levels. Now, this ranges from being sedentary up to being a professional athlete. Now, I'd say from what Charlotte tells us that she would fit the category described as physical job or hard exercise five to six times a week. So it's all within the, the Harris-Benedict formula that the, the physical activity is all categorized. So that's the category that I would place Charlotte in. Now, this would give you an indication of how much you should eat in in calories on a day-to-day -day basis, so long as your activity level stays at the same level. So clearly it, it may go up and down on different days, but this is looking at it on a on a day-to-day -day basis, keeping everything the same. The next thing I'd be thinking about considering is what to eat and when to eat it for two reasons. And that would be to balance blood sugar levels because um, that would really help to promote even energy levels throughout the day and also to ensure um, appropriate fueling um, 
and and making sure that Charlotte's fueling her run training sessions adequately. So um, so those that would be the first area I'd be looking at. Now, episode fifty four, eating enough to run, could be a helpful episode to listen to. Charlotte, we would really recommend that that maybe you go back and listen to that episode. Um, Aileen. I've sort of outlined that energy expenditure and total energy um, requirements. Would you maybe talk about balancing blood sugar levels and and that angle of it for for Charlotte? Yes, yes, of course. So the foundation for eating for blood sugar balance, um, there's a few simple things to do. Um, So the first thing is eating regularly. And by that, I don't mean grazing. So I I don't mean nibbling on food all day. Uh, For most people, the best way is to eat three meals a day and to space your meals out sort of four to five hours apart, but definitely no longer than six hours apart. Um, Now, you can add snacks um, if you've got a longer gap between meals or if you require them to um, add them in for for run fueling. So that's like where we talk about using snacks strategically. Now, the other thing that is a really important thing, I always always describe it as the mantra, is that you should eat protein with every meal and snack. And that is really important. Um, And the reason it's important from a blood sugar point of view is it will just um, slow down the um, digestion of the carbohydrate foods. So it means that the carbohydrate and the glucose isn't hitting your bloodstream, uh, you know, in in a high amount. Um, It's a bit more slow and steady, and that will help alleviate those energy dips uh, that you might be having. Um, And you also, Charlotte, you mentioned the the running play or the athlete's play, as we call them. Um, So I'll just mention that now. And we we use actually a range of athlete's plate graphics um, in our Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runner program. And um, the everyday nutrition plate is based on a quarter of a plate of protein, quarter of a plate of complex carbohydrates and half a plate of non-root vegetables or salads. So those ratios are the ratios that you'd use on what we would call easy training days. Um, And obviously, we've got different athlete plates for different levels of training. But that would be your your basic on the days that you, you weren't doing any heavy training so what would you add to that Karen yeah what I would add to that Aileen is that like you're saying really important to get that everyday um, healthy nutrition in place first that's the foundations of it then it's about looking at um, fueling for your run training and making sure that you're fueling for the training adequately so looking at the athlete's plates on the days that you're covering longer distances there might be a requirement to follow a different athlete's plate because like Aileen was saying we we use a, a, a variety of them and that would depending on the the distances you're running you'd be looking at either the the athlete's plate for moderate training or heavy training now the protein element of the plate tends to stay the same but it's an increase in the carbohydrate element of the athlete's plate that will change in line with the amount of training that you're doing now when you're planning to run for 90 minutes or more 
you, that this is when you will need to to think about factoring in that pre, during, post fueling, like Aileen was recommending to Leslie. You know, it's it's over that ninety minutes. Then um, nutrition for your running becomes really important. Um, Charlotte mentioned being in a running club. Now, often these groups train in the evenings after work. So what I would say here is that it would be important to factor in a pre-run snack. Um, And depending on the distances, you might need to consider fueling during the run as well. It depends how hard the session is and how long the session is with your running club. Now, we do have lots of tips in our free top running snacks and nutrient timing ebook. Um, however, if you aren't sure of how to put the advice into action or you have a question, then please, please do get in touch with us and we can set up a free quick question call with you about that, the running snacks and that nutrient timing, which is really key to ensuring that you're you're eating the right foods at the right time and enough of it for your training. Now, Aileen, a question for you. If you were working with Charlotte and you found that she was eating enough for that total amount of energy expenditure per day um, and she was following plate guidance, what other areas would you then start to investigate yeah, well, this is where, you know, I mentioned earlier that there, there might be some other underlying reasons for tiredness, of which there are numerous. I mean, there's so many different reasons, but maybe the starting point would be considering testing um, iron and B12 status. And, and based on the test results, you know, we could suggest amendments to um, the food plan and perhaps um, some supplements would also be be required too and there are so many potential under reasons for underlying reasons for having tiredness um so you know i'd really be looking at past health history other symptoms and lifestyle factors such as sleep quality and levels of stress and how this might be impacting on energy and fatigue um now we, we covered fatigue in an episode recently um, and it was related to post-COVID fatigue. And um, what we were looking at there was spotlighting, supporting mitochondrial health. So that might potentially be another avenue to investigate. Um, but I'd suggest, Charlotte, if the fatigue continues, it really would be advisable to consult with your medical practitioner uh, or a nutritionist. And, and we offer one-to-one consultations as part of our services. So you'd be welcome to uh, have a call with us to discuss that. Um, And the other thing that you might want to do is listen to one of our Healthy Woman, Healthy Runner episodes. It's episode six, Energy for Everything. And uh, we we talk about potential reasons for low energy. And, um, you know, that might shed a bit of light on to the problems that you've been having. So, um, that covers that area, Karen. So the final part of Charlotte's question was um, she was asking how to eat to be lean and faster. Um, so what would your overview be on that aspect of health? Well, um, to start with, we don't actually know what Charlotte's body composition is at the moment. So our advice here is going to be quite generalised, I have to say. But there are three areas that um, I would suggest that 
um, the focus should be on nutritionally. So, and they would be eating for energy balance, the use of carbohydrates and using them strategically, and then ensuring that protein intake is optimal. So those would be the three key areas to, to focus on. Now, thinking about eating for energy balance, and eating enough to fuel your training and then adjust it for light exercise and rest days. So we did cover this um, a, a bit earlier as well, a, a link to using the athlete's plates. Now, if weight loss or fat loss is a goal, then we would look at factoring in an energy or calorie deficit. Now that tends to be around 300 calories per day, but depending on the individual, it can sometimes be um, moved up to 500 calories reduction per day, but that will depend on the amount of weight that the or fat loss that the person needs to, to achieve. Now, after that, the next important thing would be is to look at the days that you are exercising, specifically how much exercise and the intensity and where necessary increasing energy, food, calorie intake on those days. But it's about achieving this energy balance. You don't want to be an energy deficit, but you don't want to be taking on too much um, calories either. It is very much about the balance. And and that is a skill. And that's why, you know, sometimes it can be really helpful and take the thinking out of it if you work with um, a, a sports nutritionist. Now, then thinking about and um, using carbohydrates strategically. Now, they can be used strategically for training and body composition which um, is what we talked about when we touched on the different athletes' plates again because it's about the adjustment up and down of the of the, the carbohydrates, not so much the, the protein. Now, it may be that on a non-heavy training day, the carbohydrate element of your plate, Charlotte, could be smaller than the quarter of the plate, um, especially if weight or fat loss is um, is a health goal. So what you would want to do is then shift the amount, shift up the amount of protein that you're having and shift down the amount of carbohydrates. So instead of having um, um, a quarter of a, a quarter of a plate of um, carbohydrates, you could have a third of half a plate of um, carbohydrates and then the two thirds of the half plate being your protein. Um, and, and also ensure that your protein intake is optimal for your particular age phase because the older that we are, the more protein um, is encouraged to support maintaining muscle mass because we naturally um, lose muscle mass as we age. So what, I, what we would say is um, to consume optimal protein um, the intake for your age group would be looking at taking on board protein above the recommended daily allowance. So taking on board anything between 1.2 grams to 1.6 grams per kilogram of body weight per day. And that's what's recommended for midlife and menopausal women. 
And the other thing, and I think Aileen alluded to this earlier as well, is to eat protein at every meal and snack and spread that across the day, ideally in consistent amounts. So not having all of the pro- your protein that you need um, in a day, in one meal, making sure that you spread it out throughout the day. And the recommendation there is to have about 25 to 30 grams per portion and eat protein um, after resistance and strength training exercise because that really promotes muscle protein synthesis and um, and that that is really important again um, to maintain muscle mass so having having the protein immediately after or post your your strength training so those would be my suggestions um, for the carbohydrates, the protein and energy balance. Great. That's really helpful, Karen, and hopefully that's helpful for Charlotte too. So just building on what we were talking there about proteins, um, it's really important uh, when you're choosing protein to choose lean protein foods um, or you know, protein supplements, which include the branch chain uh, amino acids, um, especially something called leucine, uh, because leucine is the um, amino acid which helps trigger the muscle building cascade. So you do get these branch chain amino acids in many different uh, protein foods. Um, so things like meat, poultry, and fish. You also get them in eggs, um, milk and cheese, nuts and seeds, and then soy products such as tofu and tempeh, and also legumes. Um, so I'm thinking beans, peas, and lentils. Um, so it is available in lots of different foods. It is just important that you choose really good quality and lean um, versions. Um, and also, you might want to consider adding a protein smoothie to your food plan because that sometimes can really help optimize the protein intake. Um, you know, sometimes it's difficult to get the protein to the level that you need, but by adding in a protein smoothie once or sometimes twice a day can just get you to that higher amount of protein uh, that, that's suggested for menopausal women. Mm, absolutely. And then just to build on that, because we've been speaking about um, food for leanness and body composition, but equally important is the focus on exercise and exercise routine. And for you, Charlotte, it sounds as though you run all the time and you're doing a lot of aerobic exercise. I'm just wondering about um, anaerobic or strength and conditioning exercise, if you include any of that in your routine. Um, now, you you could check out episode 68, where in that episode, we talk about the American College of Sports Medicine's Fit a VP principle, which in short it stands for um, frequency, intensity, time, type, alongside volume and progression when thinking about your uh, your exercise. So when we get to midlife, like I say, it's really important to complement our run training with the resistance training. And, you know, we've all heard of HIT, the high intensity interval training. These are all really um, 
excellent ways and um, physical exercise types that will help promote muscle mass, maintaining muscle mass as much as we can in midlife, but also it helps to promote flexibility and balance as well. And these are all areas of our of our health that we need to focus on as we um, as we age, but also as aging runners as well. So that's just another area to, to to consider, as well as maintaining a good, healthy everyday diet and diet for your training. Yeah, I love that fit formula. I think it really explains very well what women of our age need to do, and it it focuses you on adding in the things that maybe you're missing. Um, so yeah, it's really it's, it was quite an interesting paper to read when we did that episode. Um, so we really hope that helps you, Charlotte. Um, we do have a few episodes which cover uh, the the topics that we've been talking about uh, today, uh, particularly thinking about um, building lean uh, muscle mass. So episode 68, Karen's just mentioned, which is called Muscle Mass to Power Your Running Performance. Um, Healthy Woman, Healthy Runner. I've got six in my mind, but it might not be that number. I need to check. Um, It's Muscle Power in Midlife. And episode um, 12, going way back to when we first started, Karen, we did an episode called eat lean run fast and then finally episode 66 is all about protein powders and do runners need them so that will give you quite a lot of direction charlotte so you can either listen to the episodes or you can check out the those um, blogs on our website if you haven't got time to listen to them it all might just uh, give you a little bit of direction Absolutely. And always remember that we are here as well if you just need to to have a chat or you would like support from us. So thanks very much, Aileen. And also thank you to Leslie and Charlotte for your questions today. Um, But I do think it's now time to round up, Aileen. So what would be your final message to all our listeners today? Uh, Well, I think my final message today would be just to remember that we're all individual and that the recommendations that we've suggested today might not be suitable for everyone. So if you do feel that you require a more personalized approach to your nutrition for for your running and for any other health uh, concerns that you have, please get in touch with us to discuss how we could work with you. So you can book um, a free introductory call with us um, via our website, which is runnershealthhub.com. So if you look on the website and click the work with us tab on the toolbar at the top uh, of the page, um, you'll 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 find um, a, a link where you can book a, a complimentary call and just complete the form, and we'll be happy to have a chat with you about your situation and uh, make suggestions about how you might want to work with us if that's appropriate. Excellent. Thanks very much, Aileen. And we do hope that you, everybody has enjoyed this episode. Um, and, and just remember, if you do have a question that you would like us to discuss in this space, space, then do get in touch with us via email at hello at runnershealthhub.com and um, let us know what question you have. And we really look forward to, to hearing from you. And remember, everyone, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode of She Runs, Eats, Performs, brought to you by Runners Health Hub, helping female runners to be fitter, faster and stronger. We really hope you've enjoyed listening and you'll join us again soon. In the meantime, we'd be so grateful if you check us out on iTunes and leave a review. 
And once again, thanks for listening and do let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Bye for now. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device, and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months, and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases. <music>